0: But well, maybe your boy might be interested in putting
1: on a big-time wrestling club. You know, we'll make a nice knockabout for Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade.
0: You're a dead man.
1: As I walk through the aisle with videos on the shelf, I see the miss on the box and realize there's nothing else. Now I've been watching
0: wrestling for so long that every sense of good taste that I have is gone. We've been spending most our lives gripping a camel clutch cinema. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson.
1: And I'm Craig Cohen. And this week we are taking a look at the Dave
0: Bautista
1: movie, Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: I believe this is the Dave Bautista movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know why that happened. I mean, I, I know that's his real name and, you know, it's got a U in it. And I know that, you know, WWE looked at it and said, well, if we drop that, you know, it'll it'll make it uh, it'll flow better. You know, kind of like how Ric Flair dropped the K from, you know, Rick. It just looks it looks better. You know, it, yeah, it, it has more yeah. flesh. But I don't know why when he started to act that he didn't, you know, at some point come up with some kind of compromise that he could be Dave Batista.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, it's funny. I, um, I typed Dave Batista in, um, in Google, you know, getting ready to prep for this episode. And there's actually a wiki page for Dave Batista that redirects from Dave Batista.
0: Yeah. It's just strange. It's just, I mean, it just looks, it looks like a typo, even when I saw it at the beginning of this movie. When you saw this movie, what was uh, the experience? Were you seeing it in 3D, IMAX, 2D, crowded theater, not crowded theater, matinee? What would you see?
1: I went and saw it right after work one day, and I I got out of work uh, on the earlier side. So I was able to catch a 4.30 show, and I went to the the Starplex Cinemas, where we've seen uh, many a movie. Right. And um Which
0: was it, not always called uh Starplex, right? It was it had,
1: mega movies for a while.
0: Yeah. The, the there's a theater near me that's now a Starplex that used to be uh I'm trying to think what it was called. The one with uh the,
1: the one the the old the, the fake regal. Yeah
0: the fake regal. It had another national amusements it was yeah. for a while. It was yeah. a Regal originally like Regal built it, which which is still a chain but was a bigger chain for a little while. And they built it and then they left town like the week after <laughs> they had it opened. They were like, I don't know this didn't this didn't pan out the way we wanted it to so they left this theater and another company took it over and it was like everything about it they even had like the regal logo and they had yeah. just kind of put a sticker over it that said the new company logo
1: yeah it's, it's funny when starplex was coming in to take over from mega movies from what i understand there was a lease issue and the mall didn't want the the current owner there so they sort of forced him out you, you know and, and right? starplex came in and I looked up Starplex and I was like, oh, this is going to be a, a discount theater in two weeks.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, but they turned it around. They put in those, you know, electric reclining chairs.
0: Um, yes. All right. Now and, the, okay, the electric for anybody that doesn't know, this is called what D box. Um, well, no, it's,
1: these are just chairs that recline now. They, they oh, yanked all these. the, they, they yanked the D boxes out, but what they did. Oh. Is, they put in like um like a like a a recliner you might see at someone's house, maybe why would you want
0: to recline at a movie theater
1: i, I you know what once you've reclined at a movie sk- theater, that's all you want to do
0: i I don't know <laughs> see, I think i want to be I want to be more alert. I want to be sitting up i want to be I don't want to take my shoes off and yeah. get a pillow and put my feet up.
1: The only cool thing about it is <laughs> they left enough room. In front of you yeah, that when the you, other guy you is blind. Yeah. That you don't have to move ever.
0: Yeah, like no, you don't like have that. to get
1: up to let people in the row or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I get that. I just I've always been one that I feel like you recline for certain, like like television shows. Yeah, and you recline for maybe maybe like a a low impact sporting event that's not a championship game. <laughs> but when you get to the championship game or when you're watching a movie in the theater, you want to sit up straight. You want to have your feet. Planted on the ground, and you want to be, you know, cocked and ready to enjoy it. Um, now, the D-Box, I'm so disappointed this didn't stick around. D-Box was awesome. Oh man, this was a great experience. So this was an electric chair that you would sit in and it would move up and down with the action and and it it would rumble. It was great. It was, and it was so, it it didn't move to a, you know, jerky around drastically, but it moved just the right amount. I remember watching a movie in the D box where somebody got in an elevator and the elevator went up and my seat slowly going up with the elevator. I was like, this is so, I feel like I'm in it. So That brings me to, what did you see this? Were you in a recliner?
1: Yeah, I, I was reclined, man. All
0: right. Tell me the, about the, it. Tell me the, tell me the story.
1: Well, the funny thing about these seats is when you sit down, it's almost designed that they don't want you to sit right. normal. <laughs> it's like the way the seat's designed, it's like, okay, you're going to recline now or else you're going to be very uncomfortable. Right. So uh, I got my, uh, my Nathan's, which I love. Uh, there's uh-huh. a, a Nathan's attached to the theater, so you're not allowed to bring in outside food or drinks. But- the Nathan's is like, you know, an extension of there. It's a separate counter, but it's within the confines of, of the Starplex. So, you right. know, nothing better than going in and eating, you know, uh, real food at a movie.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, and, um, I don't know. It was probably like half full, you know, <laughs> a mixture of, uh, older people, you know, families with kids and stuff like that. Um, But it was good. I, you know, it was a, it was a nice, a nice time to see it. You know, it was still a matinee pricing, which is good. $6.50, which uh, leaves money for, for the, for the Nathans. And then I was also out early enough that I was able to come home and not, you know, feel like, Oh my God, it's 11 o'clock at night.
0: Right. Now, uh, was it in 2D or 3D or IMAX?
1: I saw it in the standard 2D. I looked it up. There's that website. Mm -hmm. Um, real or fake 3D, I think it's called.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, and I always check that be, when a 3d movie's out to see if it's shot in 3d and if or, it's shot in 3d yeah. i'll really consider seeing it on the imax screen or, or just in 3d but this was one of those movies where they post converted it and the post conversion movies they look fine but um a lot of times you're not even sure if the director knew that they were going to be in 3d so he's not really f- setting up shots for mm-hmm.
0: it yeah I, I went to go see this. It was a matinee on the, the day it came out. Uh, the theater was, was really empty, but when I say matinee, it was like, I think it was a 9 a.m. show. Okay. So it was, it was very early, but, uh, uh, so the crowd, you know, I didn't, uh, it didn't determine to me whether it was, you know, a successful film or not based on that. Uh, but I went to go see it in 3D and the reason I went to see it at the time I did end in 3D was because I was debating between a couple movies. Uh, One of them was uh, Transformers. One of them was this. And one of them was something else. And this was the one with the, with the shortest running time. This was the one where, and I was like, wow, this is only two, you know, it was like two hours and two minutes or something. I thought the and,
1: same thing. I was like, after I was setting this up to, to go after work, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get home around seven. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like, oh you, wow, it's short.
0: When you mentioned that, I mean, that really to me was such a plus with this. And I did feel not to tip my hand about, uh, you know, whether I'd tap out on it or not, but I did feel that it never dragged to me. Yeah. Uh, which I really liked, especially for a movie that does a whole lot of things. I never felt like I was in there that long. I felt like, you know, I'd just gotten there, just started to get comfortable, and they were already moving towards act three. Yeah. Did, were there
1: any trailers in 3D?
0: Um, good question.
1: I always uh, like that when they do that. They're like, put on your glasses. You're going to watch a trailer in
0: 3D. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that the trailer for the Marvel, uh, inflatable, Uh, Michelin Man movie. Oh, I
1: saw that. Where yeah, Big Hero
0: Six. I'm pretty sure that that was in 3D. Okay, (laughs) where he's you know has a leak. The balloon man
1: himself. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, and so that I believe was in 3D. And I'm trying to remember what else uh what other trailers there was there was one trailer that i got very excited about but now i don't remember what it was but it was one of those ones where i didn't know this existed and halfway through the trailer i was like wait a minute i got excited and and uh and 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 then you know totally forgot about it by the time the movie started um i saw it in 3D as i said i didn't see it in IMAX but uh i did i did think watching it that it didn't really need to be 3D. Uh, the spoiler uh, alert is, is up. So if you're, if you're, if you're ready to be spoiled, uh, there's a scene where, where Groot releases some uh, like ambers or whatever. Like, Oh
1: yeah, that's a really cool scene.
0: And that, that really looked 3d, you know, really uh, gave a really cool effect in the theater. There's a scene where a rocket raccoon flies towards the camera, uh, which looked really cool in 3d, but for the most part, There were stretches of the movie where I forgot it was in 3D and then there were other, you know, moments where I said, oh, I've got uncomfortable glasses on that I'd rather not be wearing. It's a shame this movie is in 3D. Uh, did you get a pin when you went to see it? I was offered a pin, but I needed to have a a rewards card of some kind to get the pin. So I didn't, didn't get it.
1: No pin offered, okay, there was some Man, kind of I'm have there to go was on eBay
0: There was a guy that was so excited uh and he was he was trying to trade pins with everybody and he'd give you two pins for one, and I was like, this movie just came out. How do you have three pins already? I guess maybe everybody in his party had a pin, but they you know you got different pins, but there weren't that many people in the theater, but again, this movie was showing in three theaters, and when I went to see it at nine o'clock, I think I would that was the second show, and the third one started at like nine thirty so wow yeah. I I guess it was very possible. Well, um, it's,
1: it's it's funny to see comic book movies now taking a page from their their print versions where, you know, you'd have to buy multiple copies of the same comic for the, the variant covers. Right. So now they're giving out variant pins.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you've got a very good point. And they, and they are very, like, releasing variant versions of the film. You've got to go see it in 2D, 3D, and IMAX if you want. Oh, you know, people have done it. Um, it's actually, it is interesting The comic book industry now is really, it's, it's movies and then comic books as an addendum to them, you know, which is very odd. I mean, you know, if a property comes out and has a poor uh, performance as a movie, I would assume the, the, uh, uh comic book company would pull back on putting a lot of money into upcoming uh comic book releases of that, you know, that that would, you know, they'd move that transfer that money into one of the properties that is making better movies.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally.
0: Uh This this was a comic book was introduced in the 60s. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was looking up the history of all the different characters and I think the oldest character in the movie is Groot. Um, who debuted in like 62. Yeah. And then I think like Rocket was around 76. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like they were all characters that existed in different versions and then were assembled, uh, as the guardians.
0: Yeah, they're, um, they're, it's a very complicated Wikipedia page. Apparently what we're seeing is the 2008 team. Yeah. Uh But there was a previous team, you know, that had teamed up starting in 1969. Um What did with you the, know? With the
1: Michael Rooker character. Oh, really? Yeah, the comic book version is much different from what I read. I actually don't know too much about the Guardians of the Galaxy. They were one of those fringe Comics that I was aware of, but I never read.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. I want to tell you, I, the first time I heard about this movie was just that Batista was doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I knew about it a long time before I think I would have ever heard of it otherwise, just that he was doing it. And yep. I would occasionally hear it mentioned in conjunction with him where people would say, oh, you know, this this is either they'd say something like, oh, this is a big deal. And he's he's going to, you know, uh, be a big star or they'd say, oh, this isn't that big of a deal because he's part of a team and it's it's a strange movie and it has a raccoon in it and stuff. <laughs> so I had I, I only had like weird little bits of knowledge about it until uh, it actually they 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 debuted the trailer on Jimmy Kimmel live and and a friend of mine was very excited about it and all I knew was he was like there's a guy that you probably like there's an MMA guy in it and I was like <laughs> I was like look the guy fought MMA once he's a yeah. he's a wrestler Uh but that was when I first started to hear and then it 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 built a a huge crescendo by the time the movie came out where it was, you know, it was uh, everybody was, was talking about this movie. What do you remember? I mean, how long ago do you remember hearing that they were going to make a movie about this? Was this something you were, you were familiar with, you know, a few years ago, or was this something that you just started hearing about when, when you heard that Dave was coming to promote it and for a few matches, you know, from Royal rumble on.
1: Yeah. Which they didn't follow up on. Uh, right. But um, I think around when Avengers came out, there were rumbles that they were gonna they were gonna do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. There's sort of that teaser um, at the end of Avengers. With, yeah. Now uh,
0: explain this to me because I I did see Avengers and I don't remember this and I don't I didn't go back and check it. Uh, but so this is the scene after the credits. All I remember after the credits was that they were eating sandwiches. They were eating marmas or whatever. Yeah. it's... Uh, when was this and what happened in it?
1: I believe it's a mid-credits scene and uh-huh. I, if I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I watched Avengers, but Thanos, which is the big guy, uh, that's sitting in the, in the chair most of the movie, um, it's just a reveal of Thanos, which sort of indicated that the Marvel universe cinematically was going to start going in a, You know, outer space direction, you know, in in the climax of the Avengers, you know, there's a portal opened up and there's aliens flying down and they're fighting aliens. So that was really an indicator that they were going to start really exploring that side of the Marvel Universe, which if you go back and watch Iron Man, that movie is really, really grounded in the closest thing you can call reality when you have a guy flying around in an iron suit. Um, Right. But um, that was really a tease that they were going to really start to expand the universe. So it was probably within a week or two of seeing Avengers that, you know, I started seeing rumblings on the Internet that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be the the next property. And then I remember seeing that James Gunn was directing it, which was kind of kind of neat to hear because he's the kind of director you don't expect to direct a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy. He directed like Slither and, uh, that movie Super a couple years ago, right. you know, he's a, a small, uh, you know, a, a small scale filmmaker. I,
0: I, um, know, I haven't seen any film that he's directed, I believe. Super, though I read about, which is a kind of an anti-superhero, kind of a kick-ass kind of film.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that, but you might have seen Slither. That was with Michael Rooker and, no. I, um, I
0: know what it is. Yeah I, yeah. I just didn't see it. It was a remake of, uh, what was the, it was, it was essentially a remake of a horror film from the 80s, right? Wasn't it,
1: uh. It had like a Night of the Creeps vibe Night to it. Night of the Creeps,
0: yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, unless I saw it with you, did I see it with you? I think we do, cause I, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, Maybe I'm remembering,
1: I did see it. It, it's so weird how you have memories. I'm remembering walking out of that theater in Hamilton.
0: Alright, it's possible then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, if so, it wasn't very memorable. Uh, but I do remember it coming out. I just don't, uh, I don't yeah. have strong memories of it, but I, I, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how entertainment should be. I think that we, uh, this generation, we spend far too much time obsessing on it because we can, we mm-hmm. can go online, we can do stuff like this. Like people listening to the show can hear us talking about this movie to a degree that if you go back, 30 years ago nobody talked about a movie this long they saw it they talked about it for 5 minutes and they moved on to something else because you couldn't say you'd say was that that guy from whatever and then you'd either say i guess or i don't guess because you yeah. didn't have you couldn't even look it up so there was no you know you'd be like guardians of the galaxy when did they first appear and and i'd say ah they first appeared 5 years ago and you'd be like i guess he's right you couldn't yeah. check you know there was you know, there, I mean,
1: there would be discussions and debate that would
0: last weeks. <laughs> see, I don't even think it would be that. I think nobody bothered because there was yeah. no solution. I think there was less discussion and less debate. Uh, um, and late. I think that people in our generation put a higher value, and I don't know that it's too much value, I just know that it's a much higher value on reviewing and analyzing entertainment than previous generations. I think previous generations would go see a movie and they'd forget it by the time that they got home. It was just a way to kill time.
1: Totally, and now you get those, like, every movie gets the, you know, 800 things wrong with this movie in seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes. Where you're like, it's a goofy comic book movie you know it's like i'm not sure you need to really you know dissect all the things that are wrong with it you know can you imagine if batman 89 came out this summer
0: oh sure yeah no (laughs) i mean obviously yeah they'd they'd point out every plot hole and i mean but that's how it is really how we do things whereas we didn't do that back then i mean you know you would you'd hear about stuff like that but it wasn't it just wasn't i don't think i don't think people talked about entertainment that way i think uh i think there there that slowly started and i think it started with book clubs people started doing book clubs and they were like we can talk about a book for a few hours but we can't sit here and talk about a movie (laughs) and i think then it worked its way up to people being like you know we're going to analyze the new pepsi commercial for the next hour and i think i think that's where we are and maybe that's a good thing um let's talk about uh uh, the the rest of the people that made this film. So James Gunn is the is the director. Uh, who who was there anybody writing this that we should know? Is it anybody famous? I He co-wrote it with um, Nicole I mean, the Perlman. Name, yeah, that's the yeah. So he he co-wrote it. Is he the main writer? And is Nicole Perlman a, you know, like secondary writer?
1: I, from what I remember, Nicole Perlman was the, the the first writer assigned to it, and then when he came on as director, he sort of did the James Gunn pass, right. which I think added a lot of the the humor and the uh, you know a, a lot of the you know funnier moments. In and this what movie. we
0: saw was was really more his vision and maybe the structure of what she had done, but that that would be you know most likely this was more of his thing. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt. I I uh, don't know him. I know he was in the Lego movie. Uh yeah. I I thought he was pretty good in this. Uh what what did you think of him? What was your what was your view on him?
1: I liked him. I liked him. I remembered him from uh, Delivery Man, which was last year with Vince Vaughn. That was the uh the Vince Vaughn plays the uh the sperm doder. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. And he played like um I think Vince Vaughn's like brother-in-law and he was um, he was heavy in that movie. Yeah. So he got in really, really great shape for Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I think he was also in uh, that TV show Parks and Rec.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard um, that,
1: yeah. But he's good. The, the funny thing about this is I read a lot about how, like, his character in this movie, uh, Peter Quill, uh, alias Star-Lord, is supposed to be, like, a, a big jerk. And I didn't really get the jerkiness from him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was certainly a snarky character. I, I don't know that... uh I don't know that jerky and especially in the confines of this movie, I certainly didn't see it. The raccoon was far jerkier than he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zoe Saldana, I, I always confuse her with Tandy Newton. Okay. Um, and, and I don't have a, a strong opinion on her. I thought she, her character maybe, maybe it wasn't her, but I thought she came off very flat in this. I thought she just came off as the female Batista and Batista yeah. was a better Batista than she was.
1: Yeah. By the way, um, Zoe Saldana stole Danny Newton's thunder.
0: I think she might have. Yes. You know, we, this is a theory we have. Dandy yeah. Before. Well, it, 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 the, the best example of this <laughs> is Chris O'Donnell was a very famous actor and then Leonardo DiCaprio came along and was like, I'm the new Chris O'Donnell. And Chris <laughs> O'Donnell had to be like, well, I get, he took all my thunder. I have yes. no thunder left. That's yes. Cute. I think that's probably what happened there. Uh, what, what do you think about her? I know she's done, uh, uh, what, is it Reds? Is that the, or is it Loser? She was the in Losers. The losers. Which, which I know you like.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a, a interesting sort of companion piece to this movie in my opinion because it's kind of about a group of underdogs that are, you know, sort of assembled um to accomplish something. But uh and she was also in Avatar um and I remember her way back from um that really bad Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but uh I I kind of agree with you here. I think her character was sort of what? Like um she was a, a, like a human weapon basically, or, or not a human weapon, an right. alien weapon. So I think the, the arc of her character in this movie was sort of her rediscovering, um, her non-weapon side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: Vin Diesel, uh, <laughs> we'll skip over Batista for now, but Vin Diesel, I thought, uh, did a very good job. I think it's, uh, you know, uh, I think he, the character, worked with that voice i thought his voice was very good i know he only has a handful of words uh but he he intones well and that's i think there's something to be said for that i i thought his performance was fine
1: yeah yeah i dug it the only thing about groot that i didn't i didn't pick up on right away was did you get sort of the the chewbacca vibe from him that raccoon was able to understand him and that he wasn't always just saying i am groot
0: Sure. All yeah, oh, right. Th- I, I, I mean, I, yeah.
1: I missed that until they, I guess, until Rack, you know, until Rocket, like, translated for him the first time. Oh, okay.
0: Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought from early on, I, I just assumed that he had, su- you know, I thought maybe it was like not just Chewbacca. Cause I, yeah, Chewbacca, I, I just more thought of like the Smurfs where they just would say Smurf all the time <laughs> and they all knew. <laughs>
1: what
0: it meant yeah they just could tell by the way you intoned it or the way you know your the pitch was i guess um but i thought he was good now bradley cooper uh a lot of people pointed out this didn't sound like him but i also didn't think this voice sounded like it should have come out of that raccoon i did not like uh his performance and i felt that that character to me was an interesting looking character interesting lines and i felt that the voice was flat and it really, uh, it, 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 I think if it was not as well animated and as well written, I think it really would have fell flat. But I I do notice a lot of people, uh, seem very high on his performance. What was your take on it?
1: I, I liked it. The, this is one of those performances where I almost wish that they hadn't put front and center who was doing the voice because the first five minutes he's on screen, you're listening for Bradley Cooper, who was doing a, a different voice. Um, and I, and I kind of dug the, the choice he made voice wise, but it was one of those things where I was, it took me a couple minutes to work through that and be like, okay, um, I hear this now. Um, I agree with you. The, the animation now is getting so good with these CG characters that you're doing. And, I think an actor like Bradley Cooper really brought something to the scene where Rocket's explaining um, how he didn't want to be created, which I, I think it takes a certain kind of actor to deliver, you know, that scene and have it have an impact.
0: The uh, only other member of the cast other than Batista I want to mention myself is uh uh Dijonese <laughs> yeah. Hansu. Give us uh, that's free that's why I want to mention him because I and he has had one heck of a career since uh since Amistad 20 years I, ago. I always think of that film and he even had had a little bit of a career before that. Um And that was his big breakout uh film. And I, I'm excited. I was excited to see him. And there was this brief moment where I was like, wow, is, you know, I haven't seen him in a long time. And then I was like, oh, you know what? He's done a lot of movies, though. I've heard about him doing a lot of movies. I just hadn't seen seen any of them and it was really really cool that uh he stuck around anybody else in the cast you have specific things to say before we get to the actual movie and then talk about batista
1: no i think maybe um benicio del toro um, yeah what'd
0: you think about him you, you like that uh character you like the performance i
1: like the fact that he mumbled and they allowed it
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there was one point where he said something and i'm like i have no idea what he said <laughs> I just couldn't I couldn't understand what he said.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I
1: It's it's always amazing when when he's allowed to do that in movies.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any problems with his performance. I did have, uh, some problems with his character, which, uh, we'll get to. Uh, let's, uh, let's go through the film. It starts out. We're, we're nearing the end of the 1980s. He's sitting there with his Walkman. His mother is, is dying. She's, uh, she's bald and the grandpa is going to take care of him. So we, we learn right away that he doesn't have a dad and uh Mom has a gift for him, and he takes it and and we find out later he never unwraps it uh and she wants to to hold hands with him before she dies and he, and he doesn't take her hand yeah uh we also hear a a line of dialogue that stood out to me where they talk about how he was upset that some kids were smashing frogs yeah
1: yeah it 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 kind of showed the the early character that, uh, that he had developed that showed that, you know, he didn't like seeing people who weren't able to defend themselves, um, being taken advantage of.
0: And then, uh, jumping ahead just slightly, the next scene we see him in after he's abducted, he's kicking lizards around. <laughs> So what the hell? That's why I I was like, well, is this I didn't the even point? Catch that. Is the point supposed to be that he's changed now? Yeah. Or it, and then I was like, is this just just weird timing that they were like, this will be cute. He'll you know kick this lizard and then he'll sing into a lizard and it'll be funny. Yeah. And I kept waiting for them to tie the two together, and they oh, never that's funny. did. All right. So he gets abducted. And, uh, so we go from a very sad scene to this abduction scene and then he's full grown. And this is the moment where I, cause I was the, the sad scene at the beginning and the abduction scene, I was like, wow, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be. And then we see him and I'm like, oh, and the Walkman still works and the tape yeah. still plays <laughs> and yeah, the, they the have double A
1: batteries in, yeah, and, it, yeah.
0: and the foam on the, on the ear, on the earphone things that isn't all ripped apart. I was like, all right, that's the movie you're doing. I see. You're yeah. not the serious movie, you know, the incredibly serious, realistic thing that was happening a few minutes ago. Yeah. We've moved past. Um, and, and now we're just going to have a lot of fun, which, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. And I thought that was, was an interesting choice. Um, we get this, this opening sequence where he's, he's, he's stealing something what for, for Michael Rooker. And then he's going to, he's going to take it to this other dude.
1: Yeah, it looks like he had set up a deal to 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 take get this orb and then he was going to I think double cross um, or or you know uh cut out the middleman or whatever. Um, the funny thing about this is this orb sort of becomes the entire um plot point of the movie. This is what everybody's chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for such an important object it was funny that it was just hanging out waiting for him to steal it. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Hadn't
0: thought about it. Yeah. It was, it was just... one of those things where when you you know, it's Wouldn't you lock it up at the end of the night, you just leave Yeah, the yeah, daughter.
1: like or wouldn't have been harder to locate or find. It just—it yeah. was one of those things where after the movie was over, I was like, wow, it was sort of just hanging out in that cave.
0: Uh, yeah. Right. It wasn't just like a little valuable thing. It like controlled the whole universe or whatever. Or,
1: yeah, it had the ability to destroy it or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: now, well, that was
1: one thing I really liked about this movie, though, is there is a lot going on plot-wise. Mm-hmm. And it didn't get weighed down in trying to explain it. You didn't get scrolls. You didn't get... You know, uh voiceover narrations. You didn't get long drawn out scenes where people are talking about what needs to be done and what they're going to do. And I thought that was a really great decision here where they're like, OK, there's going to be a lot of plot. Some of it's not probably not going to make sense if you're not really paying attention. But at the end of the movie, you're going to get a great, you know, wrap up.
0: Yeah, that was how I felt this movie. And, and, and I, I said, you know, the first sequences didn't feel that way. And then the rest of the movie did. And it felt to me like we were now, you know, this was one of those movies. Uh, and there are a lot of movies like this where it's, it's just there. It's just filling time. You're just sitting back. You're having a good time. You're, you know, you're, you're maybe checking your brain, you know, uh, at the door and you're just, you're just watching the film. And, and you know, there's, there's this one thing you have to sort of follow, but you don't have to follow it. You don't have to really even know why you're following it as long as you continue knowing this guy, the, whoever has this has what everybody wants and anybody with this guy is good. If anybody turns on him, they're bad and he's still good. You just, you know, it's like that's the dynamic of this film.
1: Yeah, and it felt very very much like a a comic book to me, which you know, it's funny, you know, there's been several different approaches to bringing comic books to to the screen and you know, sometimes they try and ground it in realism. Other times they try and just make it look like a comic book like Ang Lee did with the Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the plots, you know, become kind of serious like the Chris Nolan Batman movies. But I thought this was kind of neat in that it sort of really felt like, um, you know, a, a three or four issue arc of a, a, a comic book that I would have read.
0: We're introduced to, uh, to Rocket, who's a raccoon, but he doesn't, uh, doesn't like to be called a raccoon in this film. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to Groot, who's a human tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're introduced to Zoe Saldana's character. What was her character's name? Gamora. Gamora. Uh, in a, in a big scene. And, uh, this scene I really liked. Because of how visually it looked, the area that they were they were chasing each other, oh, capturing each other. This was a great
1: a great scene. So Gamora was was sent by by I guess her adopted father Ronan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do think that was funny. Which is which is a is a term for a samurai, but it's also a movie that we like <laughs> yes. with Robert De Niro. And then also that Scream 3, uh, Jenny mm-hmm. McCarthy botch. She, she, if you watch Scream 3, <laughs> she's walking around calling for Ronan, who's the director. I think it's Scream 2. And yeah. she's walking I think his through name is Roman, though. Oh, it's Roman. Yeah, and she says, says Ronan. Yeah, <laughs> she's looking around. She's Roman, Roman, Ronan, Roman.
1: <laughs> so uh, Gamora was sent by Ronan to go get the orb that Chris Pratt had um, or um, – Peter Quill or Star-Lord. Um, yeah, I love this sequence. I thought it was great. This was really, um, uh, this was just really like one of those classic Hollywood, um, adventure scenes. It, it kind of felt like Indiana Jones at points to me. Um, it, it just, it, it just felt like something that I hadn't seen in a modern movie in a really long time. It was sort of, you know, um, you know, follow the bouncing ball type thing, uh, you know, with several people chasing it.
0: I, I like the, uh, the futuristic look of the environment in this sequence. I thought that it, it reminded me of Tomorrowland and Disney World. Oh, cool. It reminded me of, of a lot of the old sci-fi, uh, uh science fiction like you know magazines and stuff you'd see these you know these uh photo realistic paintings of the future and that's what i i really liked i really liked this scene i would have loved to have seen uh an entire you know i'd i'd love to walk on that set you know i'm sure the set itself was a bunch of green panels behind a few set pieces but yeah. it was gorgeous
1: yeah no i i agree the i think the production design in this movie overall was was just really really good
0: so uh how do we get from there to the jail
1: I, I they all get- they all get captured um while they're they're you know they're all chasing uh after the after the orb
0: okay and i, I like this jail sequence there's uh, some good comedy in this
1: oh the the thing I loved about this jail sequence was when rocket is sort of planning their escape rocket had i i guess escaped from several jails uh over the years so uh, I really like the fact, you know, that, you know, Rocket sort of detailing what they need to do and then, you know, the order they have to do things in. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Groot you know, goes ahead and does
0: yeah, you the see, thing they
1: were supposed to do last first.
0: Right. And, and we, it's kind of cool because it's a nice shot where you can see him in the background. He gets taller. And as Rocket's saying, you know, we have to do this last because if we do this, it'll set off all the alarms. And we see him pull it down, shake yeah. it. I mean, it's very but You see
1: fun. him in the background reaching up and you know what's going to happen. huh yeah. One of those classic comedy setups where you see it coming and you still laugh. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, So.
1: And this was also where, uh, Batista was introduced, right. uh, Drax. This is, uh,
0: this is very interesting. So, uh, I want to talk really quickly about Batista. I think every wrestling fan knows who he is. Um, he came into the WWE around the same time as, as, uh, like Randy Orton did right yeah. close it's- in time. He was 2000 and I think Randy Orton and John Cena were, were maybe 2002. Yeah. Uh, but he started around that time. He started later be, uh, in his life span because yeah. he was, he was older than, than, than a lot of other people as a rookie.
1: Um, he was but, on the DDP plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, very much. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think that sounds like a joke, but yeah, DDP is another guy like that where he, Seamus is another guy like that where he, you know, came into the mainstream of wrestling when he was, you know, a little bit past the age where, you know, most towards the age where a lot of people start saying, Hey, when do I, when do I start, you know, winding down? He was starting up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's, he's done everything, you know, in wrestling. I mean, you know, he's, he's, uh, uh, tag team champ with Ric Flair. He's been the world heavyweight champ. He's headlined WrestleMania. Uh, he, he's the winner of the Royal Rumble in 2005 and then won the Royal Rumble this year when he, when he came back to promote this movie. So he had a, yeah. a, a really cool run, uh, that was, you know, designed around promoting this movie, uh, didn't do well uh you know it's uh, there's a there's a lot more to it but didn't do well primarily because the fans decided on that night that they wanted Daniel Bryan to be in a match he wasn't advertised for yeah yeah. And so they were going to boo whoever was winning in that match, you know, it was, yeah. and they never let up on it. And I never, I never got it. Cause he was awesome in the, the run he had had just before it. And people were so excited about him returning, like all the promos that they, cause they started releasing promos for him coming back before his actual comeback yeah. and people were so into it. And then when he showed up, you know, uh, you know, the the crowd turned on him and it was really a shame because I think that, uh, and I hope he has one more run because I think that this run, I mean, he was a, uh, he did a, a fine job and he, he did a solid, uh, per, you know, a, a solid, you know, run, put people over, did put on some decent, you know, decent matches and, you know, gave some star power and was, was a solid hand, but I don't think he was, uh, I don't think he did what he wanted to do. And I'm, I'm, Sure, he didn't do what the company wanted him to do,
1: yeah, I think the the biggest problem um for me was he had left the company um with so much heat as a heel, where he basically took his ball and went home and did the great you know, I quit the company's going to go on out of business with, without me. I really thought it was one of the best exits of all time,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it was so
1: they had the problem where any anytime a guy leaves and comes back, he comes back as a face.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. People so I, are excited I, to see you back. So yeah, you're going to get that cheer and you got to work hard to get them not to after that.
1: Exactly. So I, I've always thought that Batista worked better as a heel. So this run was interesting in the sense that he sort of went back to that heel persona, which was kind of neat.
0: And, and so the, the, the fans that didn't like him, the Daniel Bryan fans, I can only bet were the ones that were most excited about this film. Oh, totally. And are the ones that will cheer the loudest for him if he returns? Yeah, yeah. Which I think is kind of funny. Um, I think, so he shows up at this point in the movie, uh, and his character's like a bluish, greenish color.
1: Yeah, he, I think he's blue and, and he's got a lot of tattoos that color cool. him up.
0: From what I understand, he was green in the comic book, but blue in this, uh, but he's, he's not totally, he's not, he's not as blue as the ring gear he wore in (laughs) his last appearance, but I was hoping that that's what this was, that like he was just going to show up and I was going to be like, Oh my God, he looks like he did in that match. Yeah, I guess they changed his
1: color because you already have Gamora who was green, so yeah, maybe, you don't yeah, want probably, two green sure. green yeah, characters. Yeah, whereas when
0: you're making a comic book, you're like, oh, we only need to use green ink then for this. <laughs> He's too, We don't need to, we already got the green ink. We got bottles of it here. Yeah, um, I thought he was phenomenal in this movie, and I went into it. Excited about seeing him, but like halfway through his the movie, I was like, he's actually doing a good job. I mean he really you know had good timing yeah and and his character was well written, and I thought his character was far more interesting and far more intricate to the story than I thought he would be,
1: yeah, I've always thought that he was a pretty good actor. I mean, we saw him in uh, the Man with the Iron fist, huh? and I saw him in that. Wrong side of town or something movie mm-hmm. with Rob Van Dam, which I thought he did pretty good. I saw him in an Amy Smart movie. Um, but you're right. The character was so well written here where Drax is this, you know, this big imposing figure who's got no sense of humor, um, and doesn't understand sarcasm. So there's like that line where, uh, Quill says something like, it's going to go right over your head. And he's like, nothing goes over my head.
0: My reflexes <laughs> are too good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very
1: uh, yeah. And, and this was one of those cases where you just like, this was the perfect marriage of a performer and, uh, and role. It was, it was really cool to see him because I've always liked Dave and, uh, I'm going into Cena mode there. Um, I've always liked Batista <laughs> <James>. and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was cool to see him on, on a, on a stage like this because, um, he seems like one of those guys who's, you know, he's worked hard to get where he is and you really feel like this is something that, that he earned and that he deserves.
0: So there's a, there's a lot of scenes that happen after this that I just didn't, it was hard for me to follow and there's a lot of stuff and I, I know what they're doing here. They're, they're building for a second film, which they already announced comes out like June 28th, 2017. So, but there, there are things that are brought up and things that we see that don't pay off and I I, one of the things I really like about movies that are well constructed is that you know you don 't see these weird marks on the back of the raccoon and then never really pay off you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. in in, a, in and and they may pay that off in the next film but in uh if you 're watching to me uh, I think probably the best screenplay I've ever seen put on film was Back to the Future, the first film. I just feel that everything that they – everything they set up doesn't feel like they're just setting it up. He wants the four-by-four four to go to the lake, you know, and, you know, it's like all these little things. And then, you know, his mom wouldn't let him – you know, they, they he says, my mother wouldn't let me go to the lake with you. And they, they go through all these, you know, little things that you don't think – are building to anything. And then later they all pay off. Like every line of dialogue that happens in the first half of the movie pays off in the second half. And this movie was not that way. And, and, and again, I mean, I think this is something that happens more and more with films today where these are franchises and they're, they're going into them, not building one film, they're building multiple. Um, But there were sequences here where you know they were going after this ship and they were going after uh they they landed on this weird planet and there were a lot of things where I felt like they may have been just setting things up so that they could do another movie in that scenario in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no I I'd, I'd agree. It 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 uh it definitely had a lot going on and I I knew that um when we talked about sitting down to to do this episode after I got out of the movie I'm like I don't know what I'm going to talk about because I'm like, you know, you're not taking notes in the theater. I was like, I'm not going to remember now, any of this.
0: No. <laughs> I mean that's this is this is the part of the movie where I lost it and I will say that I really enjoyed this section yes. of the film. But uh, there was, you know, there's they break apart the three of them. Some people get captured, some don't. Uh Star-Lord takes off his mask in space and doesn't die which they do later explain that he's yeah. half alien. Yeah. Uh but as I'm watching it I'm like, well what happened now? Now can, are are we just now I guess he could never die. So I mean if <laughs> (laughs) He's indestructible. Then I'm watching Lucy. You know, the, uh, the, the Scarlett Johansson movie yeah. and there's no stakes because our hero can't be killed. Even if he takes off his mask in outer space, he didn't yeah. even have like scars when he came. To yeah. He it. was
1: like in space. He was like all frosted up and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, his face is going to fall off.
0: Yeah, I was like, uh-huh. he's going to at least have like a really ugly face when he comes back. And then they're like within moments. He's like, ah, I'm back to normal. I'm rehydrated. I'm good. Yeah. Um, I, I really like
1: the the one sequence around this time where uh, Batista's Drax was. Ronan had killed uh, Drax's wife and and child, yeah. so mm-hmm. he was looking for revenge, and he basically instigates a battle um, well before everybody's ready for it, and everything sort of just goes to hell. Um, and then he has a he has his big showdown with Ronan, and he. Pretty much gets dismantled rather quickly, which, um, I thought was a really cool choice.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another thing that I, I thought was interesting in this part of the movie is they bring back in, um, uh, uh, it's not Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, right.
1: Yeah, um, John C. Riley.
0: John Reilly. C. Riley, yes. Yeah. They bring back in John C. Riley, who we briefly met early in the film. And this is a phenomenon that I, I noticed when they did The Phantom Menace, where we saw Sam Jackson and we're like, that's it? That's all Sam Jackson's doing? And it's yeah. like, no, Sam Jackson signed on because he's going to do something in another movie. Am I to believe that, uh, John C. Riley is going to have a much bigger part in another film? I would hope so. Because it seemed odd to me that even, even though his character is somewhat integral to the end of the film, it seemed like a small part for him. It seemed like a weird part for him uh, yeah. to play. Um, but, but he shows up. Uh, I really liked his character, especially with his closing scene. I really enjoyed that he had this family and I liked the scene that happens, you know, at the end of the film where they're all asking him, you know, if I steal something, is that okay? No, oh, he's yeah. stealing his family. But what if I want it more than the person that has it? What if I take a man's spine out because I disagree with him? That would
1: be murder, and that's illegal. (laughs) It's probably the worst crime.
0: I really enjoyed all of that. Um, But we go through a handful of uh, back and forth with this ball. And we then get to this sequence that I don't like, and this is when they're they're on this planet. It's it's the same planet from earlier, isn't it? It's the same beautiful, pristine place, and now we've crash landed on it.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't. I'm not sure
0: together. if it is. I'm yeah. I'm I'm more asking than saying either that or it's a it's a planet that looked like somebody crash landed on it before they got there. It Looked like okay. a, a crash landing of a planet, um, but. We're on this planet and I was assuming it was the same. I see, I wasn't sure the way that they were defining the galaxy. I never knew if we were on the same planet and just on different atmospheres or different, you know, uh, countries or, yeah. you know, environments. I didn't know. I, I wasn't sure whether we were coming back to the same place a lot. Cause like John C. Riley, is he only on one planet in this movie, but they're going throughout the whole galaxy or does he come from one planet to another?
1: I thought he was like um he was like the part of like the military corps sure, for, but for that you one Sure but station planet. 1
0: guy you wouldn't be flying so he's he's stuck on one planet right That's yeah that's the way so, I felt way so, it
1: So yeah this must have been the same planet
0: This is where we get uh, Thanos um who I this character I really didn't like I liked uh Michael Rooker's character a lot, and I thought he would be a really good bad guy. I yeah. like Benicio del Toro's character, who I thought, uh, would be, would have been better and would have been in the movie more. Um, but I, I, he didn't come off like a bad guy, but I thought his character, the way they described him when they first got to him, that he, and he had people in cages and stuff, yeah. I thought he would be an awesome bad guy. Uh, Thanos to me kind of fell flat to me. He felt like, uh, very bland.
1: Yeah, and I, I wonder if that's sort of the fact that he was a computer-generated character that didn't really really have much to do. You know, there, he there didn't was have...
0: a, that wasn't a person. Um, I mean, like I there was it, some kind of motion capture and stuff yeah, that was, wasn't it, interesting.
1: Yeah, it was motion capture, and and that was actually um, Josh Brolin.
0: Josh Brolin, now that's James Brolin's son? Yes. Is this, uh?
1: From the Goonies.
0: Wow, okay, yeah, no, that, 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 I, I, that's interesting, yeah. Okay, Um. that also may contribute to it though. I, I do believe there is a theory that if you show somebody, no matter how good computer generated effects get, you could show somebody one and people will always part of their brain will know it's not real. And maybe that was it. Maybe, you know, the fact that this character I I didn't place that it was CGI, but maybe part of my brain didn't accept it and that you know what I mean? Yeah, that that yeah. uncanny valley that they talk about. Yeah.
1: I, I think it works more for a character like Rocket where
0: you know you know he's not a real you, yeah. you know yeah that's the point yeah exactly because you know that's not a real raccoon there's nobody over the age of 10 that's in the theater that's going wow how did they train that raccoon to do this <laughs> yeah, scene? yeah yeah so your mind uh, accepts it because you know it's fake. Whereas if you have a scene where there is a person and they're not real, uh, your mind, you know, it, it's harder for your mind to, to wrap around it. That's why, to me, and I know a lot of people don't feel this way, it's a very popular film, uh, but Polar Express, I didn't like it. I felt uncomfortable watching it because the characters looked odd to me and I could never, they, they, they had this weird creepiness to them that was because they looked like people, but they had no soul and they had <laughs> yeah, there there was was nothing, nothing behind there. their eyes. It was just creepy to me. Um, yeah. so that may be it, but it didn't work for me in the creepy and that kind of creepiness also did not work in the, ooh, this movie's so creepy. It worked in the, this movie kind of makes my skin crawl a little and I'd like to stop watching it. Um, yeah, you know,
1: it's funny though. Um, Robert mm-hmm. Zemeckis, it seems like he finally kicked his his fascination I've with uh, yes. that whole motion capture he's making that um that um uh, the guy that uh, tightrope walked between the t- twin towers they're making a live action version of that story yeah,
0: that with Joseph
1: Gordon-Levitt and it's not going to be motion capture which I was amazed and it's so great to see like Zemeckis you know finally you know moving back to traditional filmmaking.
0: Yeah, I mean it was like they sucked him in. I <laughs> I was so worried for a while that he didn't exist anymore, and they were like, (laughs) it's a shame Robert Zemeckis is lost. Maybe we'll just put out movies and say he made them, you know, and so they were making these weird, you know, like Pixar had had somehow sucked him into a computer.
1: Yeah, they had, like, the (laughs) Zemeckis program.
0: Um, So this dance-off, this is what I'm getting to. I don't like this dance-off. What the hell's up with this dance-off, Craig? He was creating a distraction. I didn't like it. I didn't like that the guy was like, what are you? You're rhythmically moving. I cannot <laughs> explode the world now. I must stare at you. Yeah. This, I mean, it didn't go on too long. Uh, and I did like when they all held hands. I thought that was cool. So it kind of made up for it. But I was just, why are we doing this dance off? Like the dance off to me, that felt like something that happened on set. And people are like, oh, that's pretty funny. We should yeah,
1: we work we, that
0: in. We should work that in. And then you would think that by the time it got to theaters, at least for me, and I'm sure there's tons of people that really liked it. But for me, I felt like that would be something that you'd watch on the DVD and be like, Whew, I'm glad somebody came to their senses and cut out the dance off. Yeah. But they, they try to do a dance off. There are some, you know, funny gags to that where uh where she doesn't dance with him, which is kind of funny, and and some of it plays well. Uh there's a few other scenes that that happen uh in in this you know in the in the third act of this film that I like. Uh there's the scene where Groot sacrifices himself and Rocket knows he's going to sacrifice yeah. himself because he turns himself into a a ball of tree so they can land on this planet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No that that was great. That was uh that was really cool and it 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 always amazes me when a completely animated or computer generated character um can get emotions out of you i mean yeah you know Groot was able to you you felt bad when you know when Groot sacrificed himself
0: yeah i thought that was a it was a good sequence i thought it it looked interesting i really liked the way Groot looked the whole movie i I enjoyed watching like all the branches sprout out of him and everything i thought that that he was a really cool looking character
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on, you know, especially, you know, like the, you know, the little moments where he's, he's like eating the the leaves off himself and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of really cool detail stuff going on.
0: So um, any other moments before we get to unwrapping that package that you want to talk about? And I also because uh, I have some points after that that I want to get to.
1: Uh, I I don't think so. I know as soon as we we yeah, sign they, off. Yeah, I know I was gonna uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, oh, there was a million other things I wanted to talk. But about. But if
0: they come, to you bring them up? But here's here's yeah. what I want to get to, and this is something that's happened throughout the whole movie. But I, I was waiting till we got to the end to cover it, which is at the end he opens this gift from his mom that he hadn't opened, and it's another mixtape. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know that I disliked it either. But there were definitely moments in this movie where I thought, and I love the music that they play in this movie. This is, uh, this, I knew all these songs before the movie started. It was started. like
1: golden hits of the seventies. Yeah,
0: this was really, uh, this was totally, uh, your, your, your standard, uh, you know, uh, uh, soft rock station, your, your easy, easy listening station, your, uh, uh, your magic stations. That they have, you know, the, your local, you know, magic or, or frog station. Uh, and, uh, I, I liked a lot of these songs and they put them in there too often to be the opposite of what you were watching. So, you know, you're watching something very exciting and they have a song that's very slow. Uh, but there was a lot where I was like, you know, I don't know that this is, this is necessary. I think that these songs are almost a distraction from what the movie is doing and I don't know that these songs are really adding as much to the movie as they think they are
1: yeah there well, was one scene I don't remember what song it was but the song was almost louder than the dialogue
0: yeah yeah well yeah there were there was uh, there was a scene where they were this was after he's you know Rocket they're all standing up and uh, Rocket says okay now I'm standing we're a bunch of losers standing or a bunch of idiots standing or whatever and yeah. then they go through this plan and they're explaining the plan but but the song is playing so loud. That was the scene. And, and I was like, you know, you pick a song without lyrics. This should be, you know, the, I mean, it's one thing if you want to use some music here, but you know, this probably should be scored. Um, and I, I did find that a little weird. I don't know that I have a problem with it. Uh, and I, and I, and I, I liked, that he had the Walkman as well as, you know, I loved seeing the ALF sticker and I liked, you know, like when he referred to the one guy as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh early in the film.
1: Yeah. Would the, I don't know a lot about outer space, but wouldn't like the magnetic fields in space have a raped, uh, erased all those cassettes?
0: There, See, the thing is the cassette player doesn't, doesn't work but i'm kind of happy uh that if they chose they chose to have it in there right they needed to have him have this cassette player i'm happy they didn't try to explain what we're talking about here craig they didn't try because there is a scene in ratatouille that that bugs me and here's the scene is uh he he, the rat climbs on top of his head and says i'm gonna pull your hair and this will be how you're gonna you know code yeah And so I'm like, oh, okay, that's how they're going to do it. Got it. And then they're like, let's spend quite some time going through this and showing the audience how this works so they can start to go – yeah, but that really wouldn't work, you know. <laughs> so it's one of those things that co- because they never, like, show him making batteries or anything, yeah. you just kind of are like, you know what? They want to have their walk. Man. Just let them have their walk. I'm almost happier that they didn't try to explain it, you know. Yeah. I think that they could have, and maybe in an earlier cut of this, maybe in the three-hour cut that, you know, that thankfully we didn't get in theaters, yeah. uh, they show him, you know, making batteries. He's cleaning the cassette. <clears throat> heads. He's, you know, restitching the foam on the earpieces so it stays nice. You know, yeah. there may have been a lot of that, you know, and, and yes, I think magnetic fields would, I would hope they would be strong enough to erase a cassette tape, <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Uh, so his mom gives him another mixtape and this is the moment where this is why I say I, I, I don't know that I think the music is a bad choice because I thought that was a great, ending and i it thought that jackson paid off right uh yeah well not just the song but that he got the mixtape oh yeah, yeah the the i want you back from jackson mm-hmm. five which they're saying look we want not only do we want group back and he's growing in a little plant <laughs> but we also want this team to come back in 2017 for a sequel yeah
1: yeah That's
0: um, Funny. yeah
1: i was gonna say apparently that scene with the little group dancing was supposed to be um like mid-credits and it, it tested so well, they said, we have to put this in the body of the movie.
0: Well, we, yeah, well, they had already shown a shot where they showed that little tree had yeah. uh, you know, was alive. Yeah. Um, and that was, it was interesting. I don't, um, I mean, he took – so I I was just kind of confused about this. So Rocket knew he was going to die, and I was wondering if maybe the I am Groot he said or maybe the we are Groot he said actually meant, but I'm also going to die when this happens. Because Rocket was the one who was like, no, you'll die if you do the thing that you're about to do. Yeah. uh, he knew he was gonna die, uh, and then he dies, and then, and then Rocket takes the stick, and then he plants the stick, so he had to know the stick was gonna grow, or he wouldn't have planted it. So, if he knew it was gonna grow back, then it's not so much dying. I think it's, it's almost gutless to kill the character, and I'm wondering how much of that, you know, I mean, when you're dealing with CG, It's theoretically possible. I don't know that this happened, but it's theoretically possible that there was no stick in, in a flower pot at any point in any sequence that was in the first cut of this film. And they went back and digitally added him picking up the stick, putting it, you know, holding the flower pot that they digitally, you know, and then shot us, shot us a scene of Batista sharpening his knife. I mean, it's, it's theoretically possible that that was the case. I don't know, uh, I don't know that I wanted that character to die for good. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm more than okay with them coming back. I think especially if you're doing another one, uh, you know, when you kill off a character like that and you're already planning on making a sequel, that's kind of tough because that's a huge part of what you liked about the movie, you know, is, is this character. Yeah. And do you, do you almost think though that that could be like son of Groot? Yeah, but see, then I'm wondering. Then isn't if it's not Groot? Okay, so it's either Groot or it's it's son of Groot, right? <laughs> if it's Groot, then I'm fine with it. If it's son of Groot, then Rocket should have picked up every one of those sticks and, and made planted several. a garden of Groots. That's <laughs> terrible. They didn't plant a garden of Groots, right?
1: <laughs> I guess. Yeah.
0: I mean, that, isn't that, that could be like part
1: six? You know, Revenge of. Son of Groot.
0: And couldn't somebody else plant the rest of them? See, I'm assuming that because he picked up, like maybe he, there was one particular stick he had to pick up for this to yeah. work. And that's why he was like, I got to get that stick that's in his, in his, you know, like his, uh, you know, cerebral cortex or something and <laughs> plant that. It's got to be planted. I got to do it right away or else yeah, it yeah. won't work. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, Craig. Yes. Any final thoughts before we discuss tapping or not tapping to this movie?
1: Did you see Dave, Big Dave at the premiere?
0: Ooh, I didn't see Big Dave at the premiere, and I also want to talk about the after-credits sequence. Go ahead,
1: Big Dave. I just at the, sent you a picture, and Dave grew out his hair for the premiere.
0: Oh, interesting. Now, let's see how much grew out you mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see it, yeah. I uh, Definitely... uh, uh let it grow probably since the day he left television for WWE yeah. uh, has a nice look. I, I really think that he might have a good career as a, uh, as an actor. I, I hope so. I really do. Yeah. He, he grew his hair out. Uh, it's the longest I think I've ever seen his hair since the early two thousands when he was like Deacon Batista Uh and his beard is nice and long. He's got kind of that uh Hugh Jackman kind of look to him.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good look. He he uh he looked really sharp on the uh, on the, the red carpet there.
0: Howard the Duck. <laughs> yes. Uh I you know I'm a big fan of Howard the Duck. Uh I like that movie. Uh uh I probably like it cuz when I first saw it I was really young and didn't realize how really, you know, oddly paced and strange it is. Uh and uh I was surprised uh to hear they were going to have him in the movie, uh, when I actually saw it, I had heard – uh I had heard that he was going to be in the film somewhere. And so when he finally showed up in the credit sequence, I was like, oh, OK, here's where they're – because I kept looking for him the whole movie. I yeah. do hear that you could see him in the earlier scenes. Yeah, he was he visible. Was
1: in- yeah, in one of the cages, uh, right, in, I, in the collector scene. I yeah. didn't
0: see him. Did you see him? You know, that's no. okay. Yeah. So apparently though, he was, you know, the way he was positioned, he was easy to spot too. It wasn't even hard. It's just you had to be looking in that spot. Uh, and that cosmonaut dog apparently is also a character that make it his own film as well because he's apparently a Marvel character. Yeah. Uh, do you think this was just a gag or do you think we're going to see a Howard the Duck movie?
1: I think it was just a gag. I think it was Marvel and Disney saying, We can't miss right now. Look, we're going to show you Howard the Duck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just, I think it was just one of those things where, like, it's just, that's how crazy things have gotten and how big we've gotten and how absurd, uh, we can get.
0: Uh, it is strange. I mean, I, I, uh, I think that there are way too many superhero movies for my taste. I haven't seen, all of them, and I used to love to see every superhero movie, but I mean, I, I didn't see, uh, I didn't see the second Thor, and I didn't see the first one all the way through. I didn't see, uh, Captain America 2. I didn't see the third Iron Man. I it's just, there's too many damn movies. You can't, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you, you almost, if you're a casual moviegoer, if you're somebody that doesn't go to the movies, you know, on a very regular basis, uh you would have to say that's the only type of movie I'm seeing uh because there's more than one a month some months. You know, I mean there's a lot of comic book superhero films that come out every every year. It is I mean certainly there's a there's a market for it. It's just it's it's odd to me. They used to it used to be like a you know a really special thing that you would get one every couple years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now it seems like it's the it's the license to print money thing. It's sort of like the, the slasher film or the, um, romantic comedy. Uh, it seems like, I guess uh, th- this decade is going to be known as sort of the, the comic book decade.
0: Well, do you tap out to Guardians of the Galaxy, Craig? Um, I got to say there was, I just had too much
1: fun watching uh-huh. this movie. Um, too many great performances, a lot of really great comedy. Um, and, uh, Dave Batista just, uh, Really uh, delivering a, a really fun performance. So this is just one of those movies where you you sit down in your electric reclining seat, recline all the way <laughs> back and just uh, buckle up and have a good time. So no
0: tap. I, uh, I went to see this and uh, at, when I got out of it, it reminded me of uh, Tank Girl. Uh, uh, was a movie that really seemed similar to the mis- – it was a strange world. The movie wasn't taking itself very seriously. There were these, you know, weird human, uh, you know, animal hybrid type characters. Right. Uh, it was very kind of, you know, snarky and kind of, uh, you know, sarcastic of a film. And there's been a lot of other films like that that I've seen that weren't well received by audiences. And I went into this one, uh, just seeing how excited everybody was to see it. And I left the theater and I was like, wow, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I thought that was really cool. It was silly. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was funny. It was, it was cool. It had some really good action scenes. I liked it. And I was like, everybody's going to hate this. They're going <laughs> to, this is going to be like Tank Girl, like, you know, the Super Mario Brothers movie and like a million other films that I've seen that, that re- this reminded me of. And then I looked and everybody liked it. And yeah. I don't, I don't quite get it, but it doesn't matter. It reminded me of a lot of other films that I have enjoyed over the years, uh, that were like this. So I don't tap out. I enjoy it. If you're on the fence though, and you say, I don't know if I'm going to like this. This is, uh, you know, looks odd to me uh I would say to to skip it, wait you know wait to see it on home video or just skip it all altogether because if if you don't think you're going to enjoy it, I think it is exactly what you're thinking. It's going to be right. You know, if, if you're looking at that saying, I don't know that I could like a movie with a giant talking tree and a talking raccoon, you probably can't because that's, (laughs) this movie is, is not giving you anything other than it's telling you it's going to give you there. They were pretty straightforward in the advertising of what this film would be. And so if, uh, if it looks like it's your cup of tea it, it, it will be and and uh apparently and if it if it doesn't it, it wouldn't be but so no I don't tap out so neither of us do this was a uh, a fun movie to talk about thank you for joining me Craig Oh it was
1: great to sit down and uh and talk some uh, movies with wrestlers or wrestling in them uh
0: with you again Very good and we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema so, you wanna wrestle, huh? You're too little! We got ushers bigger than you! Leave! I gotta take a crap! You're the Skittles! Plus my Skittles! team. What are you doing up there? What size? Wrestlers in the movies, Guy in crack
1: podcasting, movies with some wrestling. Will they be left tapping? Look at the scene in question
0: that I am watching. They just took John Cena's wife. Now he's off to the streets. Now he's riding on top of a trolley. Fighting back. guys in the chopper and a course winning. Now he's seen a swimming pool and makes out with his wife Got the remote in my hand
1: and now I'm sleepy eyed I'm a tapped out gangster TV set banger And my homie
0: sits down so don't arouse my anger Double double, double e. e It's so, so blind, blind to see That with these movies They make no, make no money. money Down goes Jimmy King Oh my god a four post massacre No one can survive this